1: I'm excited for Jody Sweetin. I'm excited for our podcast partners and our, our sponsorship this week. Big shout out to Herd at Media.
2: They are our podcast team. They're our podcast partner. They're our podcast parents. They're the ones who uh, <laughs> brought the Hollywood Raw and brought it to the next level. They're absolutely uh, awesome.
1: I can't tell you how much, like, Adam and I struggled for literally, like, Years, we struggled to make a single freaking dime on this podcast, and finally we got connected with HerDat Media, and it changed the game. We are now finally making money, and we know there's a lot of other people out there that want to get into the podcast game. They don't know how.
2: at. Yeah.
1: That's the answer. at
2: Thanks to HerDat Media. They are our new podcast partner. They've been great. And if you need podcasting, website, social media, or video, holler at them at at and go to uh, herdat.com. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T.com. Go like them on Facebook, Instagram, at hurdat, H-U-R-R-D-A-T.com.
1: And we got a couple of our friends joining. Uh, they've joined the network, they love it. There's been zero complaints on our end, so check them out. Hi, Dex.
2: Hi, Adam. <laughs> Imagine we just did a whole episode just in that kind of voice.
1: Insane. <laughs> I can tell you, we get four downloads. We get like people that like started to download, realize we're idiots, and completely delete it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eight seconds in, everyone tuned off. Uh, awesome episode. By the today. way, we got.
1: If you uh, guys, if you guys go to YouTube and watch the video of this, you have to see the shit job Adam has done with his backdrop.
2: <laughs> yeah It
1: looks look, like he threw it over a curtain rod And it's like
2: Pretty much It looks oh, like I'm talking in front of a shower curtain right
1: now <laughs> Let me see if I can fix it
2: oh,
1: It's so good It's so bad so, It's um, so funny Yeah,
2: it's pretty funny um, But uh, We got a really cool episode today Jody Sweetin is on today's episode yep. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to her Because She was a big part of my childhood She's probably one of my first crushes You know, as far as Hollywood crushes I mean, we all knew who she was And Full it's House crazy was crazy
1: how. Big that show was crazy. like crazy it was such a big show and then obviously they had their reboot with fuller house uh but she's been famous literally our like our entire lives at this point
2: yeah is she uh, man i mean I, I don't even know how many seasons that show was on i don't know what maybe seven years eight years that, that show was on mm-hmm. and you still watch episodes it just kind of it's on it's, all
1: the time it's
2: on all the time so i'm curious if she's like still kind of you know, breaking in, in the dough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, residuals, was,
1: residuals are no joke. Like people make a lot of money off of. residuals. Yes.
2: But you know what? I think the business was different then. Like, you know, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden Seinfeld and friends and Frazier came out. Then those, the, yeah, I think of like right after them is when shows start to really make money on residuals. Now I could be wrong, but I think the, the, the industry changed. Um, but I'm just curious to talk to her. Hopefully she has a cool perspective and cool vibe on, you know, Can full we, house and full house. We, and full house.
1: Before we get into it, should we tell the background story of what happened this week? between the last podcast and this one with Pitbull? Yes. Yes, okay.
2: yes, 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 yes. So
1: so we I don't know if you guys saw the clip that was going around of uh Pitbull talking about Britney Spears. Uh he was at a press conference and um we asked him about it, but the behind the scenes is really <laughs> yeah. what, was, what was interesting. So Adam gets the email of him doing a press conference. What was it? Na- NASCAR. So NASCAR.
2: So yeah, Pitbull was going to be doing the the checkered flag of some sort in NASCAR Daytona Five Hundred. That's the biggest race in in NASCAR. And I got from a pub, some reps, sent me. He's like, Hey, listen, there's a press conference going on. It's virtual. And I'm like, fuck, I got to try to see if we can sneak in this somehow. Let's try to ask Pitbull a question. So I called Dax. I'm like, Dax, you got to get on this press conference. And, I, and Dax, you were like, Adam, this is more I'm your like, style. Like, you ambush press conferences. Like,
1: Adam, if you follow Adam on, like, TikTok or anything, the, the dude's fucking crazy. Like, he does some <laughs> crazy shit. And I'm like, you know, dude, this is kind of your beat. You know, I'm more of, like, the the serious question. And you're, like, the goofy question guy. And he was like, okay, I'll do it. And then he changed his mind on well, it.
2: I got it. Well, here's the thing. I got in and then all of a sudden I saw the other people in the press conference. And again, it's all virtual. It's on Zoom. There might have been like 50 people in the press conference and it's NASCAR. So it's not like, you know, this is not like the press house, white house, the press, the press, uh, the white house, you know, press secretary doing a the thing. These are, these are NASCAR journalists there. And I don't even know, first of all, a lot of it's in Spanish. So I can't even understand of any of it.
1: I, I think I heard one question in English and then but most of it was in Spanish.
2: But I'm right? like who, Yes, it was. But I'm like, who who's gonna ask like a question? Like, what do we care about with this press conference? Yeah, but you gotta you
1: gotta you you gotta realize everyone is asking about cars, him owning this like uh, this is, is he does he own a car or a garage? Owns, what is he He's
2: own? a he's a part owner in a car.
1: Okay. So he's a part owner, but everyone's asking NASCAR only related questions. And so I, I, am like, okay, I'll do this. Like, it took me a while to get the courage up because I'm like, I'm totally gonna hijack this entire press conference right now by asking a Britney Spears question. Um, and so the moderator behind the scenes asked me in Zoom, like, "All right, where are you from? Like, Hollywood Raw." Uh, and I was like, "Oh God, don't ask me what question I'm gonna ask because I'm not. I don't want to lie. Like, I don't want to yeah. be that person. I just." Uh- Luckily, she didn't ask me. I'm like, OK, I can see there's like five or six people with their hands raised in front of me. So I'm like, I'm good. I got time to, like, get up the courage for this. She goes, you're next. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so they they like I would say 30 seconds later, she goes, all right, Pipple." Pitbull. I got dax here from the hollywood raw and uh he's got a question for you and i'm like all right how do i get into this because everyone's looking at me they want a car question and so i I feel like i i played it well let's play the clip let's let's play the clip Entire music industry right now has been talking about uh britney spears and i know that you are a friend of hers you went on tour with her i'm just curious what your thoughts are on this whole free Britney movement. Well, I
3: mean, uh, Britney gave me an uh, amazing opportunity to be able to go on tour with her in Europe. I'm very good friends with the the manager, which is Larry Rudolph. You know, I'm all about freedom. I'm all about independence. You know, as far as what's going on with Britney, that's been going on for many, many, many years. Hopefully they can break the cycle and hopefully she gets a chance to control her own destiny. And To control your own destiny in life doesn't mean you got to get it absolutely right the first time. It's never about that. They're called—they're not called mistakes. They're called must takes. And mistakes don't make you. you I'm saying you don't make mistakes. Mistakes make you. So therefore, she has to get a chance to be herself. She has to get a chance to live a life. She has has to get a chance to be able to control her own destiny and create her own future. So with that said. From Mister Three Hundred Five, Mister Worldwide, Side Free Britney. <laughs> I
1: love your positivity. I love just your your whole message. So thank you, man.
3: Oh, thank you, Dax. I appreciate it. All right. Well, it was you good, right? Great. He
2: gave a fantastic you, answer. He, did, he gave a great answer. You did. A, um, props to you, Dax, because you did a great job. And uh, it was cool at the end. He goes, "Thanks, Dax." But he gave a great answer. He answered it like I think he actually enjoyed the question. He answered it, but it was a uh, it was a great answer. And it kind of changed the whole vibe of this press conference because it was the only like kind of real question except that wasn't car-ish mm-hmm. type thing. And I didn't want to ask the question because I knew the publicist that kind of – I didn't want it to come back to me and I didn't want to get in trouble because we kind of ambushed this press conference. But, but uh, that's it actually
1: turned out positive for them. Tell, so we, say, talk about that. Yeah. So we post up this clip because we're like, all right, well, let's do it. We post up a clip online. Um which, by the way, we couldn't actually record the Zoom because they disabled the record button from <laughs> us. So we recorded it on our phone. But we posted on Twitter and get this massive response. You Blew know, up. Pitbull, obviously, he knows Britney. They went on tour together. So him saying Free Britney was just like this massive boost to the Free Britney movement. And everyone's retweeting. Everyone's commenting. And we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of retweets. And next thing you know, NASCAR put out the clip. They released the version of their—I mean, obviously—cut my question out, but him talking about Britney Spears. To which, in my mind, I'm going. They actually liked the press and they wanted to continue it going. So even though we hijacked their inter or their their press conference, they clearly were happy with the way it turned out.
2: Yeah. No, it was crazy. I mean, it went everywhere, and it was the only, it was the most newsworthy thing that came out of that press conference. Otherwise. It was just a waste of time but uh (laughs) i guess except for these small spanish websites that care about nascar but it's pretty wild and uh again the story blew up and uh you could check out the clip it's on our youtube uh pretty awesome um dax you got a review
1: yeah we got a review Um, i'm gonna start posting them up so you can actually see them if you're on the youtube page um but like we always say guys please leave us reviews. It's the best thing you can do for the podcast. It helps with our algorithm, shoots us up the charts. So any review you can leave for us, we really appreciate it, as long as it's five stars and it's positive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so, what's so today's... Uh, we got a review from BD192847. says, excellent. This podcast is the perfect mix of informative and hilarious. I love the guests, and Adam and Dax are great hosts. Definitely recommended. So big shout-out to Adam's mom for leaving that review. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks, mom. Thanks, uh, yeah, that's no. great. So thank you. Again, that's the best thing you do to support this podcast is just leave a review. Five stars only, and then leave us a good comment, <laughs> and we're going to put them on the podcast. We also do another thing. Um, do we want to talk about the uh, Yeah, I roulette? mean, we, we've been doing roulette? this.
1: Uh, yeah, we're going to do it for the first time today with Jody, but we're doing this fan question roulette. We talked about it on the Poly Shore episode where you guys submit questions for our guests. Obviously, you have no idea who we're going to be talking to, which makes it so much more fun, but you submit questions We won't actually see the questions until we play them live for the guests, but what you'll do is you'll videotape yourself, say your name, say where you're from, and ask a question. We don't care what it is. It can be crazy. It can be funny. It can be just a normal question. Whatever you want to say, it's just a way to kind of incorporate our fans into the podcast a little bit more. Send us a DM uh, on Instagram. You can send it to Hollywood Raw, and uh, we'll... Our producer will take that video, pop it in for us, and we'll watch it live with the guest for the first time. So fan question roulette is what it's for.
2: Yeah, you don't know the celebrity, just ask a question and we're going to play it with the celebrity and let them ask the question. Have fun with it, enjoy it. Uh, but we got a really cool uh, guest on the podcast today. Dax, tell us about our guest today.
1: Yep, our guest today is an author, an activist, podcaster, actress, and television personality who some of you feel that you grew up with. Me, me included, or maybe had a crush on Adam. Included, she played Stephanie Tanner on Full House and Fuller House. Jody Sweeten. Yes.
2: So obviously, Jody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, since we're all quarantined, what are you watching on TV right now? What's on your Netflix? What's on your DVR? What are you uh, obsessing over?
0: Okay, so I I actually posted about this on my Instagram yesterday. I love. Creepy, true crime, ghost hunters, all that weird kind of stuff. So uh, I just finished watching the um, the Hotel Cecil documentary about the Elisa Lam case. And because I live in L.A., I have a friend that lives right around the corner from there. So we went down there yesterday and we're, like, taking pictures and stuff and really want to get into the building and, like, I don't know, do a seance or something. But um, we can't. But, yeah, I've been watching that. I watch a lot of documentaries, true crime um, Uh, a lot of social justice documentaries. Like I'm kind of a nerd like that when it comes to it. Like I don't watch a lot of comedy. I actually don't really watch any comedy um, unless it's Arrested Development. But yeah, I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately.
1: I do love that you are like fangirling out and going to the sets of these shows. Like, because that's something I would do like you know if i if i if i know that a movie set is there and it's like i just want to take a picture in front of like the breaking bad house or something like that because that to me is the dopest stuff
0: well i mean this is like it's a it's the it's the hotel where like the night stalker stayed it's the there was this other like serial killer there like i'm all into that stuff so <laughs> it was yeah i'm really dark and weird um but it was it was fun i mean you can't get into the building but that's all right
2: <laughs> Yeah. Dax, you know what I just did? I, uh, last week I was in a Savannah, Georgia and all of a sudden I was just like, man, this looks like the, first of all, Savannah is beautiful. So cool. And then I didn't even know, I was like, man, this looks like th- this is where they filmed Far's Gump. And then I realized like, yeah, this, and I was right around the corner from it. So I ran to where they filmed where he sat on the bench and the bench was a movie prop. It wasn't there. They brought it in for just the filming of it. So I sat there and took the photos, but the bench is now in the Savannah, Georgia museum, which is... I was going to go there just to see the bench, but at least I went to the park. But I- I'm with you.
0: Savannah Savannah's beautiful. If you're
1: the mayor of Savannah, Georgia, why would you not just put a bench there so that people can take photos of it? Why would you just have no bench, oh, right? That's a
0: good question, right? Like, have a, have a faux bench. Have, like, a pretend bench that people sit yeah. on and pretend.
1: Exactly. Have, like, a picture of – of you know, Forrest Gump sitting on there, and you take a picture with it. I mean, they dropped the ball.
0: You know, like the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company or whatever, they have the bench out in front with like the statue of yeah, Forrest. Yeah, put one of those there. <laughs> I'm with you. Bubba Gump, let's do it. Sponsor sponsor the party.
2: <laughs> so, Jody, you're obviously your your upbringing was unique. You know, it, it was definitely unique because you you're an actress, and it's it's definitely more. uh it, it, it was unique for for everyone else except for you because it was your that was your reality. How would you say your childhood was?
0: My childhood was actually, you know, it was amazing. I ha- I was really fortunate in that my experience growing up on a set. Um, I was surrounded by wonderful people who are still my family to this day, and not just the cast, but some of the crew and directors and executive producers. I mean, they're people I've known. 34 years of my life. I don't really have memories of my life before a lot of those people are in it. Um, and I loved it. it. It Was it work? Yes. Are there sacrifices that have to be made that as a kid, you're kind of like, oh, I don't, you know, like <laughs> I can't go on all the field trips. I don't get to go to sixth grade camp or whatever. Sure. Sort of that feeling of being in, included and normal and whatever. Um, but I also was really fortunate in that our producers let me go to school in the mornings and come rehearse in the afternoons so like three days a week I was in normal school so I did have I'd say more so than a lot of other kids that grow up in this business a a foot in real life I went to public school I you know I, I had normal friends um I would go travel on weekends and do appearances but you know really I just wanted to like throw a tennis ball up against my garage with some friends and play tag and rollerblade around my neighborhood. So it was this weird mix of really normal and also completely not. And because it was normal for me, like, getting recognized and stuff like that, I was like, why do why do people care? Like, who gives a shit? Oh, sorry. No, oh, you, know, you can going. you yeah, can yeah, say yeah, all fine.
1: the shit you want to say. Go for it. So
0: I, uh, <laughs> but, like, I, you know, I never really gave a shit about being famous or, or meeting other famous. But, like, it wasn't it was just – normal. It was like work. It was just what you did. So it was always weird for me when people my age would get so freaked out meeting me. I was like, Oh, I, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like it's just my job and normal for me, but I guess other people it's not.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Your reality is your reality. It's yeah, uh... exactly.
0: It was just, that was what I did. I got up and I, and it was what I loved to do. So like some kids went and did gymnastics or played sports or whatever. And I went to set and I performed and I loved it.
1: So that's interesting going to public school. I'm curious, how did the other kids treat you? Because we've talked to so many actors and actresses on the podcast and we get this like wide range of school was great for me and then school was tough because other kids were jealous and they didn't know how to respond to that jealousy. So it was just like, I'm just going to be mean because that's what kids do. So I'm curious what your what your life was like
0: can be assholes Uh, (laughs) and anything that makes you slightly different, you know, in school is like cause for, you know, everyone to make fun of you for some stupid reason. Um, I would say it was both, you know, I had great friends. I had some really great girlfriends, normal friends, just, you know, we do sleepovers and stuff like that. But then, you know, the changing dynamics of, elementary school and middle school like I, you know yeah as a girl like this stuff just just changes daily you know who who's getting along with who who doesn't like who whose group are you in whatever so being gone half the time I'd like be in one scenario with you know everybody I come back and it was like oh we don't oh we don't like her now oh we don't like me now oh wait what did I do I didn't okay <laughs> or just this weird jealousy stuff that you're like not because you're not there daily a, a, a part of it you feel sort of like an outsider. And then, you know, of course you get to middle school and no matter what, like middle school, I have a daughter in middle school right now and one going into it. It's the worst time of your life. Middle school is, it's worse than high school. It's horrific. Like everyone is raging with these puberty hormones. Nobody understands what's going on. Everyone's just angry for no reason. Like they're just out of their mind. So Going to a normal school like that, like, yeah, I, you know, people would throw shit at me walking by or, or my first day of school, like a ton of people followed me around because they were just like, Oh my God, it's the girl from full house. But like my normal friends that came with me to the school from, you know, my elementary school were like, dude, this is weird. I was like, yeah, no shit. Uh, (laughs) You know? So it went back and forth. Would I get stuff written on my locker? Yeah. But would I also just have normal time with my friends? Sure. You know, it's a, it's, I'm sure that there was definitely more situations where I felt like an outsider because of it, mm-hmm. but I also have to look back and like, I see my kids going through it now and I'm like, oh no, this just kind of sucks for everyone.
1: <laughs> I fucking hated middle school. God, I hate yeah. it.
0: Literally, I look at it, I'm like, I don't know how these fucking teachers do it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how they do it. Did you see the movie eighth grade, by the way? I did. I saw it with my daughter. It was great. It was actually
2: so accurate to what eighth grade is, where middle school is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's this weird in between time. I saw it with my daughter. She loved that movie. Um, and yeah. And I think for her, like she watched it and she was like, Oh, like it kind of made sense to her that like, Oh, this is, you know, I don't feel so alone. Cause I mean, that's, you know, every middle school or high school is like, I'm so terribly alone, you know, and you watch some the story and you're like, Oh okay, no, it's everybody that's experiencing this hell that is middle school. So did you
2: always want to be an actress? Or I guess some people have the idea when they see child actors that they're forced into it. You were not forced into being an actress. Is that not, correct?
0: Not at all. My parents were and are very normal. My dad was a superintendent at a gypsum plant in long beach harbor like he had a you know very blue-collar job my mom was a stay-at-home mom she had driven school buses when i was you know like a year old i mean normal normal people and uh i just i loved performing my parents were like oh we'll put her in dance classes and stuff and i think i was about three and i did my first dance recital and Apparently I thought that whoever was in like the front row was not doing it well enough so I kind of edged my way up and like <laughs> came out of the way to get up to the front and that was I think when my mom was like oh she might want to do like some performance stuff so I did like things when I was you know 4 years old I did a few commercials I did a sizzler commercial I did an Oscar Mayer hot dog commercial um you know I I worked a ton when I started doing commercials and And it just kind of unfolded from there. But my parents were, this was never the plan. Like my parents did not have any connection to the business. They didn't have a desire to be in this business. Uh, But I did, you know, and I used to say when I was three and a half, four years old, mommy, I want to be a modeler on TV. Like that was what I called it. And she was like, okay, sure. We'll go on a couple auditions. It'll be fun. And then I just started booking a ton of stuff and, and then not long after that, I, you know, did a guest appearance on um, on Valerie, which later became the Hogan family. And then I was cast from that as Stephanie and the rest, you know, sort of is history. So it was but I was it was never something that I was forced to do. My parents always said, like, if this isn't what you love. Don't do it, mm-hmm. you know, and is that hard when you're in you know, season six of a successful television show? Yes, but I never went through a period where I was like, I don't want to do this.
1: So did you not actually have an audition for Full House? You just, your audition essentially was guest starring on another show that they go, they went, oh, she's good.
0: Yeah, it was on another show um, that was also a Miller Boyette show, um, Bob Boyette and Tom Miller, who produced Happy Days and, um, oh my God, Laverne and Shirley and you know, like every major sitcom, um, Perfect Strangers, uh, Full House, you know, all of that. But they had Full House in development at the time with Jeff Franklin and they were working on on this show and it was a lot of the same producers and they all just loved what I did with my character for one week, for one episode. And that was how I wound up uh, getting cast as Stephanie. Yeah, I didn't really ever audition. Wow. it's incredible. Yeah, it, I mean, that's the thing is like, I look at it and I go, you know, I'm one of those people that's like, life sort of unfolds as it's supposed to for, you know, it, even when it's, miserable it's there's something in it that you're learning or that some path you're on and uh, I just always feel like this was I, I wound up more exactly where I was supposed to be so then
2: what, what was the moment in your in your career when you knew like it was a transition when you went just from a, a, a normal girl gr- you know normal public school girl to being an actress to knowing you were a star like the show took off and you realized life is changing I mean maybe you didn't even realize it because you're just oblivious because you're just a young kid living your life
0: thing is that I never had a school experience outside of being on a television show. When I, I started kindergarten, I skipped kindergarten. I was there for like two days and I got moved into first grade. Um, and that was the same time that I started doing full house and doing, you know, the Hogan family. I was, I was five years old. So it was never like I went through this period of like being totally normal and going to school all the time and then being like, Oh, this is weird. It was like, Oh, this is just how it is. Like I go to school a few days a week and then I go to work or that, you know, or I'm out and I have to miss assignments because I'm working on another show. Um, so yeah, it was net like, I, I, I guess though, as the show got more popular, the first season, it, you know, it wasn't, we didn't even know if we were going to make it past the first 13 episodes. But by the second season, even though the critics hated us, families loved us. And it started becoming really popular. So as I got to be, you know, seven, Eight, like second, third grade, and I would go places like go to the mall and I would just get recognized all the time. Or I would, you know, that was when I started realizing, like, okay, this will be different. You know, what I mean, this will, this will, it, I, you know, I'm not just a normal person. And that does, of course, add this extra layer of like constantly worrying about what you know the, what you what you're doing what you're saying what you're you know i i knew as a kid like i couldn't necessarily have a meltdown like any other kid at the mall because people were watching yeah, you know and it's part of the job but as a kid you're like well shit <laughs> you know so it comes with its difficulties for sure but as i got older and realized i had less and less privacy um you know or like articles written about me. There was an article about me in the in Star magazine and I don't think I, I think I've never given them an interview since. I was 8 or 9 and they wrote this complete bullshit article about how I was the most difficult on set, like Bob Saget was trying to get me fired. Um you know, I was uh, like uh, unruly and blah blah blah. That was complete bullshit. Like I was such good friends with Bob and his family. I'd go home to his house on the weekends to spend time with his three daughters. Um, I was always like on time, knew my lines, nobody on set would have ever said that I was a problem. And so, you know, you read that stuff about yourself when you're like eight or nine years old and you're like, but that's not true. But, but you know, and you, you can't defend yourself. And now, I mean, I look at it. I'm so glad I didn't come up. In the era of social media,
2: yeah, actually, that's I'm so curious about because like you're going to the mall and you're, you know, again, you were at that time, cell phones weren't around, there wasn't the blogs, there wasn't all this stuff. So how how are people? What did people want out of you? What was you know were they? I mean, do they whip out their big camera and take a Polaroid with you or like what do
0: they? Do? People had cameras or whatever, but not all the time because it wasn't like you went to the mall with your camera in your pocket. Um, so it was mostly just like, can I get your autograph? That was that was it most of the time. And, you know, people um, don't realize how poor their timing is sometimes when you're like about to take a bite out of a hamburger and they come up to your table and like, can I have your autograph? And you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, and then people would get mad because my mom would have to step in and be like, you know what? Not right now. We're eating. And people would be like, oh, well, sorry. But, you know, and they and then that was hard for me because it, it's hard as a kid to realize that people feel entitled to a piece of you regardless of what you're doing and that regardless of what you're doing, you have to stop and give these people your attention because otherwise you don't have a, you know, you don't have a career without these people and you're so grateful and you're like, it's really cool, but can I eat my fucking hamburger? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I, went, I remember as a kid going, I, I am a huge history nerd and I went to the Smithsonian museum and I went to the museum of tolerance in, in Washington, D.C. And I had to leave because there were so many school age kids there that it became such a problem for me to be there that I couldn't enjoy the experience. And it was becoming disrupt, disruptful for other people there that I had to leave, you know, and that would happen sometimes. That I mean, it, you know, mall appearances where I had to get ushered out a back door because too many people showed up and had to get swept off in a cop car and then you know it makes it on like the Des Moines news that I abandoned my fans and I was like they made me leave <laughs> you know, but these are things that most like 10 11 year old kids don't have to deal with but it was you know people would pass notes under the bathroom stall can I get your autograph and I remember my mom losing it one time no she has she a child and she's in the bathroom like leave her alone you no know, and like people don't and i and and even more so now with social media and with all that it's like i get to invade your space because that's you you have agreed to this you have agreed that you have no privacy and um you know, as a kid you're you're very conflicted by that
1: i feel like you are the perfect so you've lived this life of like being famous since you were five years old did you watch the new britney documentary
0: I mean, look, I, I remember doing, I did an episode of Mickey Mouse Club with Brittany and Justin and Christina and JC and, you know, all like that whole Mickey Mouse Club crew. Um, and we all became like friendly at that time. You know, we were we were just kids hanging out and it was fun. Um, and the funny thing was, is at the time, they were all excited to meet me. <laughs> I'm like, what about me? Look at all you guys. Um, you know, I think, I, I, I don't, I don't know Brittany to this day personally, so I cannot speak on her experience of it. But what I can speak on is watching the documentary and watching how we, as a as a public, as a um, as news organizations, you know, uh, as as paparazzi, all that we fed into the destruction of young women at the time, and we continue to do so. Um, And I feel really sorry for her. I know a small piece, a very small piece of what it's like to be constantly followed. Um, Nothing on the scale of what she went through. And I can't imagine it. I can't imagine being 16 years old and having, you know, adult men constantly ask you about your boobs. Like how fucking inappropriate. Like I watched that and I was like, whoa, whoa, what? I forgot this. How did we do this? How did nobody... Even Diane Sawyer, like, how did nobody step in and 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 protect her? And I, I it's just, it's disappointing to me because it is, it's the that ultimate story of um, using someone as a commodity and and not recognizing their value as a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sad. It's sad. I can't imagine. I, I mean, fame fucks with you, regardless of how extreme it is. And on the extreme level like that, I I don't see how. You make it through the other side without being really damaged by it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. How did you like
2: taping the show in front of a live audience? Is it fun? Is it exciting? Is it more nerve wracking?
0: It's all of it. It's all of it. When I, I, you know, I've always said that doing a sitcom or a show in front of a live audience is a bit like um, it's like combining, you know, live theater and television. And so it's really, I mean, I loved it, but it's crazy because I don't know if you've ever been to an audience taping, but one, they're long. So people are like, oh, it's a half hour sitcom. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to be sitting there for like five hours. Uh, (laughs) And it's like a circus going on while you're working. So as a kid, there's like music and lights and they're doing giveaways and they're doing all this shit. While you're getting notes and even as an adult, like taping fuller, I was always like, what's going on? god! I see balancing. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, (laughs) literally like a circus going on in the stands, loud, all this stuff while they're coming and giving you notes. And you're having to focus and do all this. But it's so much fun. Like there's such an energy that you get from a live audience and anyone who's ever done theater or sitcoms can tell you, you feed off of it. You absolutely do. And it changes. How you deliver lines it like you're in the moment and you're like okay i gotta take more of a beat here like oh that joke landed and they really liked that so okay well i got you know and and you have to really be on your toes because sometimes you think you're gonna get a laugh and it's like "Eh." you're like okay (laughs) you know (laughs) it changes the rhythm and everything so it's 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 exciting it's exhilarating um and i mean even you know doing fuller house i remember every time Every time we would get ready to do the audience show, like we would do our intros, we'd come out, wave to the audience and then we'd be, you know, heading back to start our first scene. And I would be like, oh, my God, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. (laughs) Like every time, you know, and and I did and it was fine. And I had a great like it never that never, you know, I never just went, oh, my God, it's all blank. Um, But. That, that rush and that exhilaration of what if it is, is I think part of that fun of walking the tightrope of doing live performance of like, here we go, you know? And and luckily, it, with the safety net of being able to be like, I screwed that up, can we do it again? Yeah, I
1: was gonna say, was it, was it hard to memorize lines? Because like, this is a show that had a lot of child actors on it. So like, is it hard for all these kids to memorize their lines?
2: And do they ever have cue cards at all?
0: It depends on the kid. Um, I you know, I started reading at a very young age. I was read could read fully by about three and a half. Oh, um, you could put a book down in front of me and I could read and and mostly comprehend um, what whatever it was I was reading. So I, it, which was why I skipped first grade and stuff, or skipped kindergarten. And um, I was really lucky in that I loved reading. Uh, to this day, I am a voracious reader. And so for me, reading and memorizing was quite easy. I, I have a luckily I have a brain that, you know, would just sort of remember things and imprint it. And I could remember all the beats, everybody else's lines, what came next, what came first, what, you know. Um, And it wasn't really that difficult, but some kids don't take to it as easily, but I will say most kids memorize their lines better than the adults. One, because they're probably rehearsing it with their parents more. (laughs) (laughs) Than <laughs> then us adults are and too. Cause you know, I'm 39 and old and, and approaching senility now. So it's, <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My line, my line.
2: That's funny. What, what is the episode that you look back and you're just like cringed out by?
0: You know, I'll say, there was one on Fuller house. <laughs> it was, I fucking hated this, epi- this episode. It was, I think it was the one, uh, Steph gets in like a, like an argument with Sudsy the clown. Now the guy playing the clown was hilarious and he was great. Like nothing against him. I just hated the storyline. I was like, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm becoming a mom. I think, I think I was engaged Jimmy at the time, maybe, or no, I don't think I was engaged at the time, but like, you know, I had all this other stuff going on. I was like, and I'm fighting with a clown. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And I think that entire episode, I just I was like snarky about it. But I, you know, look, you show up, you do your job, you do what it is, you give your notes, and at the end of the day, it, it's not my show. You know what I mean? It's it it is, but at the end of the day, I'm Stephanie. I say the lines, I do the thing, and I make it the best I can. But yeah, the Sudzy the Clown episode um, was that was a thing. And also, I believe there was one, um, there was an. I mean, there's God, there's. So many Full House episodes that were so silly and cheesy and wonderfully 80s, 90s sitcom. But I do think there was one where, like, Jesse did some crazy stunt and, like, drove a motorcycle along the edge of a thing. And I think it was, like, the parking structure at Sony Studios where we shot. But it was, like, you know, supposed to be this thing Jesse did. And now looking back on it, I'm like, oh... Was that like our Fonzie jump? Was that our jumping the shark? <laughs> jumping that the shark? Ridge, yeah. <laughs> was, that, was that the shark? Jumping the Sony. And uh, I don't think it was. I, you know, we may have done it earlier or, or later, but I do think like looking back on it now, like, was it groundbreaking comedy? No. But what it was is a show that appealed to an entire family. And it was fun and it was silly and it was safe. And it was something that you couldn't get away with now. You couldn't do, you know, audiences are not uh, um, as naive, I think, now. Even kids, you know, the comedy is different. But I think for what it was at the time, I mean, we did some really, we did actually some great ones though, about, like, child abuse and, you know, the earthquake, suffering through, like, the earthquake trauma and all that stuff that kids today tell me, I watched that and it really helped me. Or I watched that and I actually saw that my friend was being abused and I reported it. Or, you know, like... It yep. made an impact, as cheesy or whatever it was, as it was. It did make an impact, you know. So it's something that, as silly as it was, I'm very always very proud of.
1: So, but I want
0: to with the line.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I want to jump into we. So we're starting this new thing. It's called Fan Question Roulette. Okay, we're going to take a break from our questions because um, we've started this thing where our fans don't know the celebrity that's coming on our podcast, but. But we're having them submit questions to kind of I- incorporate them a little more. So, and I haven't even listened to the questions. The producers have listened to the questions. They've uploaded them. I'm gonna push play, and we're gonna hear what the question is for you for the first time together.
0: Oh, this will be great. okay. I
1: really so, have
2: no idea what these questions. And
1: yeah, it's
0: great because it can't be too specific.
1: Exactly about me.
0: So I'm like, what it? Like-
1: it's and they're just uploading, being like, I hope they play it. I hope they play it for a celeb that I know. So we're going to see what the questions are.
0: I mean, I hope I'm <laughs> I actually have no idea
2: what these questions are.
0: I'm, I'm like, who the hell is that girl? No.
1: <laughs> All right. So we got the first one. This one comes from Maggie and Emma. All right. Let's see what they have to okay.
0: say. If you could take back being famous, would you? And why or why not? Oh, if I could take being f- back being famous, would I? Uh, no. No. Because... You know, like I just mentioned about some of the shows that I've done um, and some of the and and now as I become more involved in like activism and stuff, uh, you're given a a much greater platform to do something with it. And my biggest thing is wanting to like have an impact on the world, right? Mm -hmm. So I look at it and I go, you know, are there complications that come along with being famous? Sure. People make assumptions about you. Absolutely. Uh, But at the end of the day, the incredible... Gifts and experiences that I've had in this life because of the opportunities I've been given because I was on a TV show, um, I wouldn't change for anything. You know, I I wouldn't. And now I feel like you know when I when I speak or when I talk about something or try to raise uh, you know awareness on an issue, um, I have more of a platform and more people might listen and make some change and and actually do something about things. So I you know I wouldn't take it back. It's been a pretty awesome ride.
1: Cool. Thank you, Maggie and Emma. All right, let's get yeah, to
0: the next
1: one. This, this is fun. This is literally the first time we've watched these videos. I'm waiting
2: for a butthole question to come.
0: It's going to be weird.
2: You know, there's going to be some
1: ridiculous. I
0: know, like <laughs> just some weird. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I wouldn't put it past the producers. All right, let's go to Mackenzie. All right, let's see what Mackenzie has to say.
0: My name is Mackenzie, and this is Millie. We're from Omaha, and our question is: Would you rather fart loudly and everyone laughs at you, or be the only one obnoxiously laughing when someone else farts? <laughs> There you go. <laughs> First of all, that's a fucking excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I would definitely, I would rather be the person laughing obnoxiously. One, because I already laugh obnoxiously. My, my laugh is like what I'm known for. It's loud. You can, it reverberates. You can hear it. People used to joke they could find me on set because they'd just listen for me laughing and would, you know, figure out where I was. Um, so yeah, I would much, I would much rather laugh at someone else's misfortune than uh, being. Great. <laughs>
1: Wow, this is fun. I like this already. All right. Day one of uh, Fan Question Roulette. All right. Let's do one more just because it's Is
0: this day this. one of Fan Question Roulette? Yeah. Be yes.
1: to you're the inaugural fan. We we pitched it, we pitched it out on the Polly Shore episode and said, hey, we want people to start sending in questions. And you're the first one since our Polly Shore episode. Um, yeah, we have Adam Carolla
2: later. So, yeah.
1: All right. So, let's see. Next one is by Emmy. All right. What's Emmy got to
3: say? Okay. So. My question is, would you rather sing your favorite song all by yourself in front of an arena full of people or just in front of the original artist alone?
1: That is a good oh my question. God, that
0: is a good question.
1: That's a really good one.
0: Well, actually I actually have a really funny story that goes along with this. Um, I have sang in front of a stadium full of people, uh, and it was... Pretty horrifying because we were shooting a Fuller House episode where we went to a Giants game. Mm-hmm. It was a baseball game. First off, it was a Giants-Dodger game. So people took this game real fucking seriously. <laughs> and we're not all about us doing some dumb shit in the front blocking our- the was a Giants-Dodger game. And I'm an LA girl. So I love, you know, the Dodgers, but like I had to take pictures with the Giants. I got so much hate on social media. They're like, you're an LA girl. You can't like the Giants. I'm like, I don't really give a fuck about either one. Just it <laughs> but I had to go out. One of Stephanie's things was that she had dated Hunter Pence who plays for the Giants. And it was this whole storyline about how she goes out and gets invited to sing take me out to the ball game but then like has a whole meltdown about Hunter in the middle of it and gets dragged off, the, uh, dragged off the field. Well, not everyone in the stadium knew that Fuller House was taping an episode, even though they I think they'd announced it, but, but you know, people won't pay attention. So here I come, I have one chance. <laughs> Take me out to the ball game, right? <laughs> I'll say it's not my favorite song but I got one chance to do it and act like a fucking crazy person and get dragged off the field. Right. The players didn't know what was happening. Oh. So I go out there like Hunter knew. Cause he, you know, he had done it Guest, and he kind of knew what was going on, but they didn't announce it to the players. Like, Hey, they're shooting a show here and this is going to happen. So I go out, I sing the song. And then at the end I have a meltdown and like freak out, whatever. And I get dragged off of the field. People are booing. <laughs> Are losing their mind like what is wrong with this girl and, and then the, I hear the players are mad so one of the Dodgers got pissed off um that <laughs> like somebody interrupted their game or like why is this show like it was this whole thing it was so, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so-, so back on it now and I'm like you know what if I can if I can do that in front of a stadium full of people at a Giants Dodger game I'll be all right. <laughs> I can't believe that. I still think I'd rather sing in front of one person, but but I'd want to put my own spin on it.
1: Oh my god, that sounds horrifying. By the way,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah was, I'm actually glad she asked that question because it's a story I never, I don't get to tell very often. It's so sad, <laughs> but it was probably one of the most embarrassing things that I've ever had to do for my job.
1: You've had to shove that one back into the back part of your brain so you don't remember it.
0: You know, and of course, like my my Fuller House cast and everybody is like stoked and clapping they're all excited because you know i get to go out on the field and the night before they'd had a fuller house night at the stadium so you know it was we were all excited about it and then i realized like everyone thinks i'm actually this crazy person
1: well did and they announce like, you as jody sweet
0: oh, am well, i gotta lose now so i just you know i leaned into it <laughs> they how, how, did the, their thing.
1: how did the announcer of the stadium announce you though like what was your name
0: Uh, I believe he announced it as like Stephanie Tanner coming to see because it was we had one shot live during the baseball game. And that's also terrifying, too. It's like, okay, you have one chance to do this (laughs) in front of like 40,000 people. Don't fuck up. You know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) So funny. And I was going to say, because everyone at that baseball game is probably our age. So they know Stephanie Tanner.
0: A lot of people that did. Kind of, no, but not everyone and not the players. And that was like, they were just so confused.
2: Oh, I
1: oh, love Warren that
0: so much. Out over Hunter Pence. And I was like, no, it's not. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: How are you and the other cast members? Are you guys like, you know, obviously it's a close family. It seems like for the most part, you guys have always had a really, really great relationship. Everyone talks super highly about it, you know, about each other. It, is it like a good bond with everyone? Are you guys super tight? It's like a
0: ridiculously good bond it's in it. I will say, I don't know that there's probably any other casts of, of TV shows uh, truly that are as close as a whole as we are. Um, I mean, Candace and Andrea are two of my best girlfriends. We've gone on, you know, girls weekend trips together and we do, you know, we go out to dinner, we see Jeff Franklin, all this like, and it's not just the cast, but it's parts of our crew, our executive producer. Like we are so tight knit. Um, you know, we've gone to every single wedding, funeral, you know, graduation, baby shower, like all of our helped plan them. Some, you know, Candace was a, a matron of honor. My first wedding. Her daughter was my flower girl. Like, you know, the, the, it is a close, close knit family that, um, you know, and we love each other. We love each other. And we've, you know, we've fought like family. We have argued, you know, there's any group of people that love each other this much we go through our ups and downs but I don't think there's never a moment that any of us ever think that we have lost our place in that family
1: do you you ever get sick of being asked about the Olsen twins I always wonder that because they their fame is so big or got so big that I got to imagine the amount of questions you've had about the Olsen twins over the last 20 years is insane
0: yeah and you know it was fun at the by the end of a press tour, when like the first the show first came out, and it was ev like every question it was like why why aren't the Olsen twins and I was like why you, and I finally like at the end I'd be like why do you give a shit like you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they would be like and Candace and Andrew would look at me I was like what I mean I'm just yeah like who cares it's not they're not on they're not on the show why are we talking about somebody that's not on the show <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and it wasn't like anything bad against them I've no you know I haven't talked to them in years to be honest they have gone off and done their thing and like. Great, awesome. We were really close as kids, but you know, they were like six, seven, eight years old. There are people that I knew when I was six, seven, eight that don't talk to anymore. It doesn't mean I was less close with them at that age. It just means we grew apart. Yeah. So you know, I, I was. I just think it's interesting how people um, were so focused on them not being there. Um. Because there was, so, you know, it was obvious it was a story. It was a thing. Why didn't they want to be there? What I'm like, I don't know.
1: I think I it's because they're... I they're
0: think, fashion designers. Why the fuck do they want to be on this show? You know?
1: I think it's because they're so elusive that everyone is, like, constantly craving more attention. Like, almost their reluctance to be out in public, I think, makes them even more of a desirable target for people to find out about.
0: And again, it goes back to that whole Britney thing. Like, their entire life has been dissected and publicized and you know, uh, consumed by people, of course they don't want to go out and do it more. And, you know, they acted when they were kids. They were little kids. They've grown up now. They, maybe they don't want to do it anymore, you know? It's like a could kid you... that played soccer when they were seven years old. Like, you know, at 25, you're like, why aren't you playing soccer anymore? I don't know. Like, who's six. Who cares?
1: So I had this I had this crazy talent that I could actually tell who was who. Could you tell who was who when they were young?
0: From the back of their head.
1: Really? Like, everyone used to be like...
0: Twins. They're fraternal twins. They don't look alike.
1: Well, when they were young, they looked very much alike. Don't you agree?
0: No. I mean, I knew them so well. I mean, I've known them since they were nine months old. Yeah. I, you know, my mom has changed their diapers. Like, I, they would come to my <laughs> house on weekends. I took them to Disneyland. We would go horseback riding at my cabin together. Like, we were super close. I knew them. I just knew who it was. That's so funny. You know, by the back of their head, by the, the way they stood.
1: You said people would hold up a phone and be like... Mary Kate or Ashley? And I'd be like, boom, I know which one. And they were like, How the fuck do you do that? All right. Anyway.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I mean I applaud you for your talent because I know a lot of people them apart. But for those of us that knew them really closely, it's like, you know, it's like having twin sisters and being like, can you tell them apart? And you're like, well, of course I can.
2: <laughs> Does some part of you just want to like reconnect with them, and not just on a work level? It's just like, it's like one of those things when you walk into someone you haven't seen forever and just be like, guys, let, let's just talk about the old days. Like, it's just fucking what we did and what we went through. It's just insane. You know, and just sort of like, uh, you know,
0: uh, would I love to see them and give them a big yes, they're a part of my life, my growing up experience. I still love them dearly. I don't know them anymore. I don't know them. Yeah. I haven't had any interaction with them and that's fine. Um, would love to see them. Absolutely. But do I also understand that for me, I started at five and end at 13 with this show. So for me, that was all of my formative years. That was, I, like I said, I don't really have memories before that. Yeah. I started at nine months old and ended when they were almost eight with this show. How much of your life do you remember from eight before? Not that much, right? You don't really have those connections as much as you did with people in first or second grade, and be like, "Oh, hey, cool, nice to see you." So I've had to kind of realize that over the years, it's not something it's personal. It's that we were—I was a part of their life at a time when they don't really—they don't have, remember that much. All of their life since then has been what they've done and made memories of, and and experienced and their fashion design and their you know all of that that's the majority of their life so of course that's where they're connected and grounded you know it doesn't necessarily have to be with something that they did when they were five six seven years old
1: yeah so I was gonna say you know obviously one of your other co-stars has been all over the news for the last former co-stars Lori Laughlin. have you spoken to her since this whole ordeal went down have has there been any communication all
0: I will say about that one Okay.
1: We will but move is on. It, yeah, <laughs>
2: but is it, the, the question is, It does it suck for you? Like you have nothing to do with it. That was just her and her family. It's like people want to.
0: And, and, I have nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm pretty outspoken with my political things. And so people always ask why I, you know, didn't comment on it. And it's, it's just not, you know, I find that there's, there's, there's no way to answer that question easily. I love Lori. She's my family. You know and I, th- I feel that you
1: can you can love people and they can make decisions that affect them personally but it doesn't mean that it needs to affect your personal relationship with them It doesn't it was,
0: for more, more so I think it was that you know it was disappointing because we all loved her and she has been such a part of our family that not having her there at the end was an understandable political decision but you know we wanted everybody there yeah. so but that's about all I'll say about it. You know, I have I have thoughts and feelings, but, well.
2: So let's take a look back, actually. Full House ends. You know, this is the original Full House, the first time you did. Not Fuller House, but Full House. What do you do next? What's, you know, are you getting roles thrown at you? Or is it, like, some way because, you know, people just see you as Stephanie Tanner. How how was life right after Full House?
0: Um, Life right after Full House was hard. I was a 13-year-old kid entering high school, you know, again, a really challenging time of your life anyway. It was like around the end of eighth grade when, my, when the show ended. Um, and it was lonely. I, something that I'd done every single day for all the life that I could really remember and having these people in it every day or knowing that, okay, we would worked three weeks, I'll have a week off, but I'm going to go back and see them and that routine, um, you know, it was like, it was a, it was a grief process. And I look at that now. Um, I think I was grieving that loss at 13 years old of what I had known up until that point, you know, and the blessings and a curse of being on a popular sitcom or that everyone knows you, but everyone knows you as that character. And so, you know, I would be 13, 14, still going out on auditions and they would, you know, come and be like, oh my God, can you say how rude? And you're like, I, yeah, but I don't know that that's what's in the sides that I'm auditioning for, you know, so it became really hard to kind of extricate who I was despite, you know, going to acting class and like really wanting to be involved. I went to a performing arts high school for musical theater, you know, I did all that. Um, uh, it It was really challenging. And I think at that point, I also, was at a place where I didn't know how committed I wanted to be to giving up that bit of my normal high school experience. Yeah. You know, I think it came at a time and I was auditioning and then I was like, but I don't I just want to go like, I want to go to school all day as weird as that sounds. But you know, entering ninth grade, I, I, my experience was like going to school till noon most of the time and leaving at lunch. I didn't have the lunchtime hangout. I didn't have, you know, fifth or sixth period. I didn't go to do all these things that a lot of normal kids did. So I think, it was both a, a place where I couldn't get seen as anything else other than Stephanie Tanner. And also I think I just wanted to be normal for a little while and go to my performing arts school and do musical theater and dance and have that experience for a while. Um, but you know, even now it's, it, it, Stephanie will always be what I'm known for and I'm grateful for that. But I do hope, you know, I, I, I can do a lot of other things and I do hope that at some point I get to show that, Yeah, you know? And I think as an adult, it's a little easier when you're 13 or 14. It's not like there's a ton of roles out there anyway. You know, it's, you're, it's a very limited market and, you know, oftentimes they want to find the new person that's going to be a star and that's fine. I'm grateful that I got to have a normal experience a little bit. Um, But yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult to be seen as anything other than, you know, the cute little girl with curly hair.
1: I I got to imagine that is a tough time because high school, again, goes back to middle school and high school. Tough time to be someone, but tough time to also be someone in the spotlight. How, how How does someone like yourself deal with people coming into your life? Because I feel that when you're in the spotlight, people come in for the wrong reasons or the wrong motives. How do you weed those people out and go they're just trying to be my friend because of Stephanie or they're trying to be my friend because of Jody.
0: Well, I think, you know, in a lot of ways that becomes pretty obvious, pretty quick, uh, where people, where you're like, why are you asking all these full house questions? Why aren't you worrying about the math homework? Why aren't you, you know what I mean? Like, why are you asking me only about that or why do you only want to ask about the people that I know? Um, so it became kind of easy to differentiate that and being that my, all of my social experiences for most of my life were framed within that. I had to learn to discern that. Um, I will say I probably wasn't great at it, even through my 20s. I'm a person who I naturally want to believe in the best in people and trust people. And I, because I don't give a shit about fame or like what's connected to it, I assume that most people feel like that. And then it's always that rude awakening when you're like, Oh no. Okay. So you're telling my business to people because I, okay, got it. Yeah. You're, you're kind of not my friend that I thought you were, yeah. um, but it, you know, it, you learn to do it over the years. And I think as I've gotten older, I've just gotten a little more protective, but now I see it. The hard part is I see it with my kids. You know, my kids tell me all the time that people want to become friends with them because of who their mom is. And it breaks my heart because I remember that as my own experience, but I can't protect it. I can't protect them from it, yeah. you know? And at the same time, they're like, oh, it's kind of cool. But are these people really my friends? And it's I, and I'm like, I, I understand that. I know what that feeling is like, you know? And it's different to see your kids go through it in sort of a distant way. How
2: did boys treat you? How did, you know, this is – I'm talking about like right after Full House – you're in high school, kind of, and then go into more into your 18, 19 I guess you got married. Your first marriage was at twenty, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but how are boys treating you? Where you know, and how do you, you know, how do you, you know, listen? We're guys. I'm sure guys would say, "I just want to have you know, be with Jody Sweeten, you know, and just put that in the resume, you know."
0: Yeah, and I, you know, and like I said, into my twenties, and and as I got older, I, you know, still had that happen with people that were, you know, that would date me or or be with me because they thought they won the jackpot or thought it was really cool that, you know, the person they were with was famous. Um, it, you know, I, I, I always had a lot of guy friends. I, and I, I, I I've definitely increased my like circle of women as I've gotten older, but I just always got along better with guys. I had a ton of guy friends. So I always got along with them really well. Cause I wasn't, I, I wasn't a real girly girl. I didn't, you know, I, I, I it just wasn't me. So most of my friends were guys and I think because of that, I had a little bit easier of a time to relate to them. And guys are also, I'd say for the most part, not as good at hiding their weird jealousy intentions. sort of, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it becomes pretty obvious. Girls will be like, Oh, I'm going to be your best friend. And they'll do that whether you're famous or not. And, you know, kind of try and drag you down. Um, But boys, I mean, I, you know, I had like boyfriends in high school and I, you know, it wasn't ever, I don't think it was ever more, yeah, I don't think it was ever like more difficult, but I also think I, I mean, I definitely learned some hard lessons along the way, but probably more so in my, in my 20s. So
1: saying learning your lessons, what advice would you give to someone who is becoming or has become famous at a young age? Things that you've learned. Uh, you know, obviously, there's been public struggles and that kind of stuff that you've gone through. But what would what advice would you give to someone growing up in the spotlight?
0: Um, remember that this all goes away. It you know, for everyone, it comes and it goes. The 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 chances of you getting famous and staying famous the rest of your life are relatively slim. Um. And so you better have a, a good idea of who you really are and not who other people want you to be and who other, and, and what your persona is. Because we all have that. We have the persona and the person that we put out and then we have ourselves. And if you're not really connected to who you are, you can get lost really easily in trying to be something that people expect you to be. Yeah. yeah.
2: How do you deal with like, since you are a public figure, you know, and I know you don't give a shit about being a celebrity, but you are a public figure. And so some of the things that go with being a public figure, people know your salary. So people are always like, oh man, you're, you, you don't have to work another day in your life or they, people might assume where.
0: Well, I think people assume they know my salary, but anyone who's worked for Netflix is probably like, yeah, it's not what you <laughs> 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 look, this is not the days of ABC television. You know, everybody's making a million dollars on friends um it's weird you know people assume that i live in beverly hills in some gated house and where i'm like i rent my house i have a normal life my kids go to you know regular school like i don't live some lavish lifestyle you know i haven't been working a ton because of the pandemic so i'm like look we're using some coupons (laughs) like i mean maybe not i'm not coupon clipping but like but I definitely am like, can I get 25% off of something if I buy it, you know? Sure. I, I live a really normal life.
2: But here's the thing is, do you ever feel the pressure because like people, let's just say you're a waitress. They're they're working, they're on your table. Because who you are, you have to give more than 20% as a tip, you know, because you oh, feel yeah. like I
0: mean, I think people always assume that. I mean, look, but in between working as an actress, you know, I worked in the field of drug and alcohol treatment for about six years.
2: Which I commend you for doing that because I, you've been very public about that. You wrote about that in your book and uh, props to you for being so open and honest about that. I think it was very refreshing and very cool.
0: And I, you know, if I weren't in acting, I probably would have continued on in, in my schooling there and become a therapist or, you know, continued working as a director of operations for different, um, facilities. And, you know, I started working as a tech at a place, taking out the trash and washing the dishes. For clients. And, you know, when clients would figure out who I was, they were like, why are you here? And I was like, why wouldn't I be? It's just a job. I, I, have, I have to have a job, right? I have to have something that I want to do. And I worked my way up in that because I loved it. And I was, I didn't have any, I don't have any expectation or, or ego about having to put in work or going back and having a quote unquote normal job. You know, we all got to pay our bills at some point. So, you know, it is what it is. But I do think people. I mean, I know even in my comments. You know, when I talk about, you know, different political stuff or raising awareness for this, people are like, well, why don't you just, you know, buy this or why don't you just invent?" And I'm like, if I could, I would. <laughs> but I don't have the money. I, I wish I lived the life that you think I do. Um, you know, I I I live a really relatively normal life.
2: Are the checks from the residuals from the first season of Full House? Are they still good?
0: It depends. You know, here's the thing about about residuals is that it's they they renew a contract. So like the first time they renew the contract, you're like, oh cool, I get paid more per episode. But then as it runs, which fuller house full house has run forever, as it runs, each with each showing, the you know thing goes down. So, you know, look, I couldn't live on my residuals. People are like, Oh, you must be making millions. You're like, live on it I could I could have a, like, a studio apartment Yeah. maybe not even in LA you know it's not the money that people make in this business and I you know I remember when TLC and, and when they all went like bankrupt and we're talking about it people were like oh you make all this money and you're like I take home maybe 30 percent of what I get paid taxes managers attorneys agents publicists that everybody gets some of it rightly so because they work their ass off for me but it does i'm not you know i'm not reaping in all of that money at the end of the day you get a small percent and let me tell you you know being in that tax bracket you're like okay that's just gonna go to the government you know and
1: yeah my experience
0: with finances is way more normal than people think. <laughs> like, i have worked and been like i don't know how i'm gonna make rent this month and that was not long before I was doing Fuller House. You know, I lived in a one and a half bedroom apartment with my two daughters. They shared a little like half office area. Um, you know, I, I I understand what it's like to be like, I don't know how, I you know, I have to go to Target and put things back. I've done that in my adult life in in the last 10 years. I understand what living a normal life is like. And I'm actually really grateful for that because I don't have this weird uh reality that I'm out of touch with I'm like oh no I get this shit like I get having to make ends meet and freaking out that you can't and being a single mom and having two kids and being like I don't know how I'm gonna I I don't know what I'm gonna do like how do I do this you know so I I, I want I and I don't say that for people to be like oh poor you know like that but I I say it because I want people to understand like my life hasn't always been Getting everything.
2: I had two kids from my high school hit me up within the last 36 hours looking for money. I'm like, guys, I do a podcast, okay? <laughs> Everyone has a podcast. <laughs> you have
0: a podcast. I'm like, have you if you think that I'm making, like, you know, you not making all this money. I'll, I'm not Joe Rogan. Let's put it that way. You know? it's, what I, it's a fashion project. I love to do it and it's fun, but I'm not. All
1: right. So I want to get to the podcast. Let's do our, we do a quick speed round where we throw out questions to you. You answer them as fast as you can okay and then uh and then we'll get on to your podcast because we really want to talk about your podcast
2: So right? here, i'm going to start the speed right. round starting now what do you own from the set of full house
0: i have uh the head of the seat that weird C pappy that's in the living room that weird okay. statue i took the head off of it the last day i actually <laughs> there was actually a big issue with it because I took the head and Warner Brothers was like, you can't take that. And I was like, yes, I can. And (laughs) I had it in the trunk of my car and I had to get it back. And then then I had to ask for it again after it got like...
1: That is so funny. Is that the only thing you have?
0: I have Mr. Bear. Oh, that's a cool one. I have the original Mr. Bear. I took something off of the wall in the kitchen or in the living room set. No, it was in the kitchen set. It was this hand-stitched thing that just said, love is all you need. And I remember seeing it from like the first day in the kitchen set on Fuller House, and I was like, I love that. I want that. And so it's hanging on, you know, the wall in my family room. I have a little piece of the couch that everybody signed. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I have a few I have a few things. But yeah, the see pappy head, Mr. Bear, and the, the little love is all you need thing are like the three main ones.
1: That's often all right. So how often do you watch old episodes of Full House? Never. Do your children?
0: No.
2: Biggest celebrity in your phone. I mean... The one you're like, this is pretty cool.
0: I don't know. I don't really have that many celebrity friends. I mean, it would be somebody on the show, I guess. John Stamos? Maybe? I don't know. I don't hang out with a lot of celebrities. That's the thing. It's all my... People are like, ooh, who do you hang out with? I'm like, normal people. (laughs) (laughs) Normal people. All
1: right. Do you have Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen's current cell phone numbers?
0: No.
2: What's a food everyone loves but you hate?
0: I don't know. I like food. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not picky. Um... I, You know what? I will say this, though. I'm not a huge pizza fan. I'm what? Not. What? I know. My boyfriend is like, he is like, lives for pizza. He lived in New York, like, get a slice. That was the thing. <laughs> i just, I'm like, eh. If you wow. live in LA,
2: though. There is not like, I, listen, I lived in LA for eight months, and there was just nothing there.
0: It, New York has a great slice of pizza. Like, you can't find better pizza than in New York. But I, I'll i say this. I'm a deep dish Chicago style First, right. i do like that it's more of a casserole not really a pizza but i do like gino's uh here at, like in la there's a gino's east and i can get some good deep dish from there
1: all right so what i've learned during this podcast is you were extremely smart growing up do you remember your sat score
0: <sighs> it was a, around close to like 1300 it was like 1280 whoa geez that's great like that. 12, yeah
1: i can't remember mine but i think i may have also buried it to the back side of my brain to try to forget
0: <laughs> well i, I mean I, yeah I, I i did oh i did all the sat prep i think i i took it twice because my english score was my english score carried it my english score was at like almost 700 my math score was like Three something, you know, and I was like, let me try and raise that a little bit. Math is just not my strong point.
2: Um, what uh have you been inside the San Francisco Full House house?
0: Yes, and it's so freaking tiny. There's no way all those people could live in it. No way.
1: <laughs> Does the layout inside look at all similar? No,
0: not at all. You could that house could not physically exist in the walls of the of the full house house. Jeff Franklin had actually bought the full house house at one point and wanted to remodel it and do all this stuff. We put our hands in cement in the back of the house, all this oh, stuff. Cool. The neighbors hated living next to that house because city tours would go by it every day, like, uh, like 2,000 people a day. And so when he bought it and like put the red door back and made it look like the outside of the fuller house or the full house house, people were not happy. So he wound up selling it. But we did get to go inside.
1: That's really cool who is the most famous fan of full house? That's like maybe come up to you and introduce themselves.
0: Um, not, I haven't personally met, but I do know, I believe, um, John had met or, or I heard, I don't Maybe it wasn't John. I don't remember, but I do know that, um, president Obama and his girls were fans of full house. I had heard that rumored, um, I went to visit the white house at one point, I think when Clinton was president and Chelsea wasn't at the house, but I guess wanted to meet me and was really bummed that she couldn't come to that. So, you know, I always feel like oh, made it up there, you know, <laughs>
1: that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Being in the white house is pretty much as big as you can get. So nice. So all right, let, tell let's us about get... your podcast. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's obviously your podcast is really cool. It's doing really well. Uh, never thought I'd say this is the name of the podcast. What can people expect from this podcast?
0: Um, well, as my mom says, if you don't like profanity, it's not the show for you. (laughs) (laughs) My poor mother listens. Um, No, it is. It's me and my best friend, Celia Behar, who she is also a a therapist and um, she is a life coach and she works. She is not my life coach. Um, (laughs) Not that she's not great, but we're just friends. But we're both um, moms. We had been single moms and our daughters are the same age and friends. And we just take a really raw, funny look at parenting. And you know, we came up with never thought I'd say this because we realize that as you become a parent, things come out of your mouth. You know, don't put that crayon up the cat's butt. Like I've never, <laughs> never thought in a million years that would be a sentence that I'd have to form another human being and say don't do that. You know, or like No, you don't need to go in the bathroom while your sister's pooping. Like, can you please, you know, things that just seem like pretty fucking normal stuff. And as a parent, these things come up all the time. You're like, I didn't, oh my God, I didn't think I'd have to say this. I I don't know what to do in this situation, you know? And we deal with every, we deal with mostly funny stuff and silly, but we also deal with a lot of things, um, you know, we deal with, we've dealt with suicide. We've dealt with school shootings. Um, You know, I never thought I'd have to say to my kids, if you hear shots fired at your school, run and hide, yeah. you know, um, there's a lot of things as a parent that you, that you don't think you'd ha- ever have to say, but we are, I'd say 95% completely irreverent, totally inappropriate. Um, <laughs> it, you know, If you, again, it's like Bob Saget inhabits my body while I'm doing the podcast because (laughs) that's my sense of humor. And I, like, I grew up around Bob and Dave, you know, so I am, I have out-bobbed Bob before. So I I can be pretty wildly inappropriate and, uh, and we've gained a great following. There's a lot of moms out there that are like, yeah, this is fucking weird. (laughs) And, And we just talk about it. Honestly, I don't try and pretend that I'm this perfect mom all the time. I'm not especially in this pandemic, I have screamed and lost my mind. My kids have screamed and lost their mind. Like parenting isn't easy. It's not pretty. It's not, you know, I don't post the perfect pictures on Instagram because no one wants to get in my pictures on Instagram now. Cause I have two middle schoolers. So <laughs> <laughs> right. Although my daughter, my older daughter is now like, oh, I want to be in it. Like, I'm like, yeah, I see you.
1: <laughs> that's so funny parenting is fucking hard dude adam you don't understand it adam's not a parent not yet so uh he doesn't get it but wow it is it is tough and uh
0: really tough and you've constantly feel like you're failing and you have small successes and that's what keeps you going you know you, it's parenting is 90 percent trying to like just make sure your kids aren't assholes like i tell them all the time I'm like that's my job is to just Not raised assholes. That's it. That's that's what I'm hoping for. It's the best out of this. That when you go into the world, you know how to treat others. You stand up for other people. You know how to do what's right. But learning that, I think you know, we all forget. Like learning how to do that is super messy. It's super messy.
1: I think the hard part that I feel like I with my kids, it's like you want them to have you know like self esteem. You want them to like believe in themselves. But then you're like, but don't be arrogant. You know, like no one wants an arrogant person in their life. <laughs> but like, is mean, all
0: about like finding the middle ground, right? Like yeah. it's you know, it, it, there's so many swings, and you're dealing with a whole other human. And I know as a parent, when my kids were younger, now I think I'm a little bit better about it. But I, you know, you don't think about it. You're like, oh, like yeah, I made this human, and this human is from me and of me, but they aren't me. So they're having their own human experience and their own thoughts and their own perceptions of, of the world around them that I don't know. And so I'm having to, you know, deal with all of that thinking that they're going to be just like me and they're not. Yeah.
1: Oh, I like it. I, I think it's a uh, fascinating look or, or a fascinating twist on podcasting because I feel like there's a lot of parents out there. Like you said, you feel like you're always doing it wrong. You feel like you're not doing it right. So having a podcast to go and listen to and hearing other people talk about the exact same issues that you're going through. I think it, it is great. And I'm assuming it's not just for mothers, right?
0: Right. And we try to bring awareness <laughs> about that too. Like it's, you know, uh, we had uh, Kat Zingano on our show recently, who um, was one of the uh, top UFC female fighters and her um, husband had committed suicide and it was a really tragic, awful thing. And it really fit, you know, we talked about that. Like, what is it like as a mom to have to go through that with your kids? Um, you know, I, I'm really proud of the podcast because we don't, we don't leave anything out. We don't, you know, we, we've talked about racial justice issues. We've talked about, you know, homeschooling and that, it, or not homeschooling, uh, distance learning and how it sucks. And I, yeah I have completely failed on that front and, and yeah, it is what it is, you know, but just being real about stuff. I think moms, I know as a mom myself, like I love reading articles <laughs> where it's like, everyone's losing it at this point. I'm like, Oh God, thank you. So like somebody (laughs) talk about it is such a relief because you do feel crazy. You feel like my kids are the only ones that are out of their mind. And then you hear other parents and you go, Oh no, they're all little crazy people. Okay.
1: True, 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 true. Well, I know we've kept you way longer than we said we would, but you were such a fascinating person. No, no, no. This is this we love it. We love when people stay longer and they're not like looking at their watch every 2 seconds to get off. Um really fascinating
0: I'm just chilling. hanging with you guys. So, you know, <laughs> thank you for having me. Otherwise, I'm just talking to my dog and he's really not in <laughs>
1: Well so make, sure make sure you, you follow, follow Jody Sweeten. Yeah. Uh, at Jody Sweeten uh and stay up to date with Jody and check out her podcast. Uh never thought I'd say this.
0: Yeah, you can uh, follow us at never thought I'd say this as well for the podcast.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Um yes, thank you again. We really appreciate it.
2: You just have just good energy, but a good vibe and a good perspective on your past, you know, and I, I it's just fun to hear your stories and hear you talk about it and how you're just you're very grateful for it. And I think it comes across that definitely. We you know, it's just exciting to hear your journey because it's definitely fun and we grew up with you. So it's just cool.
0: No, I I I'm incredibly grateful for my journey, all of it, you know, ups, downs, whatever. It's completely made me the person that I am today, and I always encourage people to share their stories. That's one of the things I always talk about is like share your story, share your humanness share you know both your successes and your failures because we all have them and you know if we live in this world where we think that nobody fails or that nobody does anything wrong then you know we're giving ourselves an unrealistic expectation so i try to just be as real and human as possible because it's at the end of the day that's all i am
2: uh was great i liked her i mean i feel like we <laughs> I say that a with lot. Er-
1: listen we say that shit with like everyone but i think it's because we're like, the time that we're spending with these people, it's, like, really enjoyable. Like, I, I actually walk away being like, I didn't know much about Jody before. You know, obviously, she's been famous my entire life. I grew up watching Full House. But, like, getting that hour to chat with her, I really like it. I, I enjoyed our conversation.
2: You knew Stephanie Tanner, but you didn't know Jody Sweet. And then like, you're like, fuck, Jody's cool. Like, you know, like it's just, she's a cool chick. She, she gets it. She understands the, the scenario and her, again, like I said in the beginning, her reality is just different than our reality, but she has a great perspective on, full house she has a great perspective Mm -hmm. on hollywood like this is just what she does and i respect that you know again we always say what what was the big takeaway i just like how she talks about it's like i'm just working like you know like Mm -hmm. this was a job like i have to work i gotta pay my bills and i was like not uh,
1: sugarcoating there's so many celebs out there that maybe like you know they're not on a tv show currently but they're like still put out that allure of like oh i'm still making money and she's like fuck that like I'm shopping at Target just like everyone else. I love that about her.
2: Yeah, it's just fun, it's cool, and I she couldn't... doesn't she doesn't have a negative you know, when people in in you know, when you're a child star, I, I guess some people could kind of look at that as sort of a uh, as a negative thing Like oh You know Some some actors Some celebrities Could look back Like oh, I'm past that I'm an actor I've done my latest work And she's like No that was a big part Of my life And she embraces it And I think Because she embraces it People love her more And her podcast is great She's crushing it You know um, And she just has A great outlook Could, and could great you believe
1: How she talks so much shit On Lori Laughlin though? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah right. Yeah, oh,
1: I got shut down on that one, but I I don't blame her. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a tough subject. Even asking the question, I'm like, never know where this question's gonna go, but might as well ask it.
2: You have to throw it as a as a, for our job, we have to ask it. Unfortunately, and we sort of know what the answer is gonna be. You know, like she's not gonna say anything. First of all, it's sad that we have to ask that because we will get shitted on if we don't. But mm-hmm. yet again, it's like she. What is she gonna say? It's it sucks. It's, also, it's a I shitty people, situation.
1: People expect us to ask difficult questions, but I think we do it in a tactful way that we don't put people off. You know what True. I'm saying? Like I, I I I don't feel like she was annoyed. I don't feel like she like no was upset. She's just like oh, I'm not gonna answer that one. Like yeah, we, I appreciate you guys asking, but I'm not gonna answer it.
2: Yeah, we gave a platform. If she wanted to, she chose not to, and I totally respect that. I totally get it. I totally understand it. And with that said. She still is awesome. It was a great interview. Thank you. uh, Thank you, Jody, for coming to the podcast. Make sure you check out her podcast. Um, Guys, you can find this whole interview, the video portion, on YouTube. We also make uh, clips we put on TikTok, Facebook, Triller, Instagram, Twitter, everything. Uh, You know, check us out. You can add the Hollywood Raw podcast on all those platforms. You can find me at at Adam Glynn, G-L-Y-N. You can find Dax Holt at D-A-X-H-O-L-T. And we'll see you guys later. A Media
3: Production.